I picked completely the wrong time to go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, you really did. <laughs> I just walked back with Charlie saying, a big bidding war between BBC and ITV. I was like, what is happening? But no. I was just generally thinking, when he was talking about him as Bradley, I was like, who are you think? Is this some obscure American cricketer I've never heard of? <laughs> uh, Brad. Um, I was Brad Haddon was going to make yeah. making Bradley to make him sound posher and he can pretend to be English. I mean, this was meant to be the serious pod. My Look, God, it was going to be... It was going to be serious, but Ed stole my answer, so I could think on my feet. The answer went towards fucking Bradley Walsh at number three. The final one before we head to the domestic season, which starts in a couple of weeks. But we're going to look back at... England's final legs of their tour in India with those ODIs that concluded today and the three T20s uh, beforehand, as well as chatting the West Indies captaincy and then whatever news Ed and Charlie pick out for us uh, from the last couple of weeks. Um, how are we all doing, guys? I realise I've never asked you that question on this podcast. Have you? I've never you said at some point. Have I? I've, I just feel like we just go into it and I never like... I always feel like you give us a, a moment just to reflect. I quite enjoy it. Well, that's what we're about, reflection. Okay. Do, you, do you want me to reflect for a moment on my weekend? Sure. I My phone recorded that I did 16,000 steps yesterday. Wow. Yeah, I went wow. to I went to Marla. That's 16,000 more steps than Matt Parkinson did on a cricket field this winter. Exactly. Zing. Yeah. There we Huge. go. See, Poor hey, bloke. There's, that's me checking in with you, how I'm doing, and then you adding a bit of cricket. That's... Yeah. That's, that's, that's podcasting. Um, <laughs> let's chat the ODIs then. England losing 2-1. Fascinating. Another series decider earlier today. Look to be all but over until Sam Curran, with his blonde highlights, came to the crease and smashed 95, not out. Um, it wasn't enough, so it doesn't really matter, as we discussed before starting. Um, but in the whole series overall, there were some great knots. Richard Pant with... Some wonderful moments as well. There was that fantastic stand between Roy and Bairstow as well. Moen Ali in a game where the majority of the bowlers took a bit of a hitting, finished, I think, with zero for 47. So economical um, from him. But across the series, um, let's start with Charlie. Who was the player that stood out or surprised, either from India or England? Well, for me, I think... Certainly from England's perspective, this tournament very blatantly did not matter. Like, no one really cared about this particular series for any reason other than trying to work out potential options for the upcoming T20 World Cup, right? And the selection very blatantly reflected this. Um, and so on that basis for England, I think you're looking at players who potentially gave performances that give England options for their World Cup. And I'm going to go for Ben Stokes because it may look an obvious answer. And an easy answer. But I genuinely believe that the, the number three issue is in the T20 side one that is maybe um, not quite set in stone, as weird as that is to say with Darwin Milan's form over the couple, last couple of years. During, uh, and Ben Stokes did so well in the number three slot, albeit in a different format, is nice news for me because it gives me belief that we have options there. Um, and so I think that's a very important position in the side. And I think that if he can replicate that form in these last couple of, of ODIs in the T20s, 
then I think we're, we're solid. And that, that base is covered. Um, so on that basis, I'm going Ben Stokes. Stokesy. Uh, interesting. He also did reasonably well um, with uh, the ball. Um, Ed, who have you gone for? Got to be Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. Um, I think, mm. I mean, he should be man of every series because he is one of the greatest cricketers ever to live. I think he's very underrated. I think he's got, um, it's very much the, it's my Chris Wokes theory. When yes. he's bowling to the mid-80s, when he's fully fit and looking good, and Bovey's hitting, what, 83, 84 miles an hour, when he's bowling at his top space, pace, he is very, very effective, very skillful, very good at what he does, uh, swings the ball up top, and is just so skillful. And, you know, I've always loved Bovey. And I, I think, for me, he was clearly the man of the series. He, he was so much better at everyone else, at pretty much everything. Uh, it's really good to see him back because I think... You have obviously Jasprit Bumrah, you have Mohammed Shami, but like, I don't see why he isn't one of India's top three um, quicks in all formats. So really happy for him. He was clearly the best in a batting-dominated you know, series. I think he was really, really good across all, all the games. For England, man of the series. Um, I've gone down this a bit of a different route. Um, in the fact that I was kind of thinking about it, and Charlie went with Ben Stokes, and I feel like that's the obvious answer, not in a bad way, but the obvious answer. So I decided to go with this as like a different touch. I'm out of the series in terms of the person who benefited most um, from the series, and that is Matt Parkinson. Wow. So I think what was really, really clear across the T20s when Adol Rashid was opening the bowling is that in the middle overs, we had nothing. In the ODIs, very clear, the issue was taking wickets. So, especially when we were playing just one spinner, and Moeen Ali wasn't on the side, uh, and in the ODIs, when Moeen was bowling quite well but not taking wickets, it became very clear to me that Matt Parkinson is a genuine option, even with Adil Rashid on the side. Even if you, you, know, you want to play Moeen as well there's an opportunity to get a wicket-taking leg spinner or a second wicket-taking leg spinner into the side, especially in India, especially if you want to use Adol Rashid in different parts. Having a guy like Matt Parkinson in the team, I think is much more useful um, on a bowling value level than it is having a Reese Topley in this instance because whilst Reese Topley bowled pretty well in this series, you can open the bowl with Sam, bowling with Sam Curran. You can have um, Mark Wood bowl some power play overs. And having that other spin option in the middle overs is very intriguing for me. So Matt Parkinson clearly gained a lot from the T20 series, but it was obvious um, how much uh, you know how much we needed a wicket taker in the middle overs. I know we're doing the ODIs, but also in the ODIs, I thought actually having someone like Matt Parkinson, a second wicket-taking option in the middle overs, is very important, especially when you're asking Mark Wood to bowl early on and at the death. So for me, man of the series, Matt Parkinson. Wow, the man that did not play at all. Um, don't, 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 don't try and silently undermine me like that. I think not <laughs> playing is... Did you see how supportive he was on the sidelines? Mm. Did you? With about five overs to go, he had, he had his eyes closed. I thought he was asleep. So yeah, that's <laughs> the kind of man you need. I think he's had uh, yet another brilliant series carrying the drinks. No complaints. Right. So don't undermine. I feel so sorry for him. I do. This is a genuine debate. We have to, and I want to do this in a later podcast. Genuine debate. Matt Parkinson has been mismanaged so yeah. badly. It's also just England. funny how so badly this the topic of the winter has been rotation, 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 and he's just done the lot. 
and no one's even like no one's cared like he's done the whole lot in quarantine from when did they get to Sri Lanka that would have been end of January yeah so he's done quite some the, time ago now yeah so he's probably done about 10 weeks in quarantine without playing any cricket he's basically just been a net bowler and carried the drinks yeah he's done also, style. this does remind me of a, a story charlie once told me where you as you might tell this better but you played in a football team that was really really bad and you oh. were losing very heavily one time and yes, a player who hadn't come off the bench turned to the coach and said you know what i don't care about playing it's all about being part of a team. And that is what Markins, Matt Parkinson has won here. He has been a really good teammate. He didn't need to play. He just needed to be <laughs> part of the team. And when we lost all three series, he didn't get a run out once. That shows character. So that's <laughs> added a bit for you. And it's worth mentioning that that kid you mentioned, he was honestly a terrible footballer. Um, <laughs> but for some reason, um, he received Marla match for that game despite not having been a second, solely for that one comment. The coach said it's a good team spirit. Um, exactly. Which does add your, to your point, really. So, you know, we'll play little Ollie. I'll play with my friend. The Matt well, Parkinson of the Upminster League youth football world. And that's why this podcast is beautiful, because little Ollie has got more of a shout-out than Sam Curran, who just smashed 95 <laughs> earlier win, though, today. With Ollie, they would win. Yeah, to be fair, Ollie's, Ollie and Sam both lost, so it doesn't really matter valiant, what they did. Valiant performances in the losing cause. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, what's the difference? That's true. Um, ben Stokes is a good answer, Charlie. I'm going to have to give it to Ed's first one with Nesh Kriwa. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I can't give it to Matt Parkinson as much as I'd love to. Um, Ed, you can take two points uh, for a man who proves that you don't have to bowl rapidly. But it's just nice to see someone kind of trundling mid Mid, mid to low 80s, bit of movement, you know, just doing his stuff. People think as well, he's not slow. He looks slow because the keeper yeah. can stand up to him. But that's a lot of it. I think that's his, like, relatively smaller stature. But he's not, Do you know what's also slow. great is he does bowl most of his deliveries in the slot, or as Sky would call it, the slot. I mean, it does, as we have pointed out before, it does grow bigger and bigger each, each kind of T20 series. The slot is slowly becoming pretty much... The pitch at some point, um, the slot is going to be anything between the white line and where the perfect boundary is. <laughs> anything else, it's right in the slot. <laughs> a full toss, like beamed at his chest. The slot he's missed out there. Um, Ruvaneshwar <laughs> Kumar takes it there as India won the series 2 1. And to be fair, that capped off a trip. Well, to India, where England didn't win any of the series and only won two of the six white ball games. T20 series was a pretty similar affair. Um, talking point was with England's batting and that number three role, as Charlie did pick up earlier on. With David Milan there, number one T20 ranked batsman, but a lot of calls potentially to put someone else there. So going into the T20 World Cup, from what we learned with it being in Asia, um, potentially going to be difficult pitches to bat on. Someone like David Milan could get stuck a little bit. For this question, Ed, let's start with you. When England travel back to India in October for the T20 World Cup, who should be batting at three in the T20s? Nobody. 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 This and this isn't a point which I, I brought this up point on the test side where because we had so many struggles at three, it was just to eliminate the position. I think the the way that T20 side should be built should be built on a situational matchup basis. So I do not see a position where we should say, 
Ben Stokes, Daryl Malam, you're always going to bat three, whatever the situation is. I don't believe we should have a order penciled in past the openers whatsoever. It's all depending on the situation. Say uh, our openers uh, have gone, I don't know, they've, they've scored 60, 70 off the power play and uh, in, the, in walks number three in the seventh or eighth over when India have just turned to their spinners. What would I do then? I'd send in Moeen Ali to attack the spinners further. Maybe an early wicket has gone down. I might send Dawid Milan in or Ben Stokes in to consolidate a bit more, play that longer innings. Uh, maybe they've got the paces on uh, in the power play and we could do a bit with a bit of a spark. Sam Curran, in you go, go yes. attack, go play your yes. natural game. Now we go should... play your natural game. Because that's Just... the key word, whether you win or lose, England are slowly becoming like Leeds. We have <laughs> this attacking brand of all cricket. And if you lose 6-0, it doesn't matter because you're, you're the best manager. You're playing that brand, the brand we love to see. Exactly. Yes, we lost by seven runs, but we did it with the right intent. And that's what matters sometimes. Exactly. But this is my, my point is that nobody should be penciled into bat three. We shouldn't have a number three. We should have people who are specifically in the right situation to go in under certain circumstances. It's a roving order all the time. Now, I think if you were to say to me, okay, who is going to come in at number three for you the majority of the time? For me, it would be Ben Stokes. However, I don't think that is the situation that you, you can roll with every single time. I think there's a very good situation to send Ben Stokes up there. Sorry, um, Sam Curran up there. Moeen Ali up there. Maybe even Johnny Burstow up there. I know he's looking very good at four, but say you want to ha send another, another right-hander against um, a, an off-spinner uh, or just he has a really good record against a certain bowler. I don't think there should be a number three. I don't think we should designate one. I think we should completely go with the flow. And uh, you know what? Sometimes send Owen Morgan in at three. I don't think it's mm. a good tactic. I just think just let's expose him. Let's see what he can do. So, yeah, I my personal thought is don't have a number three. Don't have the conversation. Just put in who works for the situation. Is your toolkit? I mean, I'm sorry for again bringing this back to football, but it's a bit <laughs> like. Um, you're very much going with the mindset of Manchester City of we don't have a striker, so everyone can play up front. Like it's a bit like that in that sense of that rotation in and out. Someone can drop in to do a certain role against a certain side. Um, there isn't necessarily that person penciled into that role. Um, yeah, ben Stokes is one that can probably transfer across those categories a bit more. Um, I think the issue with David Milan is is he does get he doesn't utilize the power play so potentially if you were looking to use him if if England did lose an early wicket you might chuck someone like Moeen Ali or Sam Curran up there but like Moeen Ali doesn't even get in the team at the moment you could um which is another debate in itself Charlie who, the team for me over Milan that would be one thing I would say Milan probably wouldn't be in my team if you lost yeah. a wicket earlier I'd send Ben Stokes in yeah I, I well, don't that, that's I don't I think, think there's a situation where I think Darren Milan makes our team better more than having Moeed Ali in the team makes our team better because, yeah. Moe, because having that second spinner is is so important so for me on, on balance whilst I like what Darren Milan brings I think his role could be done just as well by somebody else yeah so I think it's also if I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have him in the team personally if the World Cup was in Australia or South Africa or maybe even England where you didn't need that spin option and the pitches were a bit bouncier, you probably would have him have him in yeah, there maybe, to, to shore maybe. it up. But I mean, he's still someone who finally today played his best format for England for the first time. Charlie, who are you going for? 
Well, this is an issue because my answer is essentially exactly the same as Ed. I firmly agree <laughs> with the, the, the situational policy. And I, I think, you know, the idea of sent having basically anyone on your team being able to bat free depending on the issue and at hand, I firmly agree with. Um, so I've come up with a, a slightly different solution to this question. Uh, I'm thinking more outside the box. And I'm thinking what do England need as number three, not in terms necessarily of who is the best cricketer, but more in the sense of who is the best person to come in and help popularize the game and bring the team to a wider audience. And I've come to the conclusion that this man is Bradley Walsh. Now hear me out on this. Bradley I, Walsh. I can't have Bradley Walsh coming in at three. Right, hear me out on this. Okay? Look, it was going to be it was going to be serious, but Ed stole my answer, so I have to think on my feet. The answer went towards fucking Bradley Walsh at number three. Now, Bradley Walsh, a very popular man. Bradley Walsh has a command of an audience, a television audience that absolutely loves him. If Bradley Walsh was about number three for England in a T20 match, I guarantee you that that, that game would have higher viewing figures than the majority of England matches because the army of 40-year-old mothers who will be tuning in to watch their beloved Bradley charging up at number three, presumably being castled first ball every game. But that doesn't matter. The point is it's their Bradley playing cricket for England, and that's what they want to see. Ed, Bradley, you... Walsh is currently, Bradley Walsh is currently in the middle of a big bidding war between BBC and ITV because they both understand how much of an appeal this man has to a TV audience. I'm currently a member of the Fans of Bradley Walsh Facebook page. And let me tell you, the fervent admiration of the man in that group is phenomenal. In fact, it's so strong that currently the admin, uh, a nice lady called Angela, is literally turning off comments um, on any post that comes close to showing admiration for anyone else. Usually never chase it, because how dare you praise anyone other than Bradley Walsh? And this is my point. Bradley Walsh, at number three, would change the game. No. I was just generally thinking when he was talking about him as Bradley, I was like, who are you thinking? Is this some obscure American cricketer I've never heard of? <laughs> uh, Brad. Um, I was Brad Haddon was going to make him, yeah. make, him make him Bradley to make him sound posher and you can pretend to be English. I mean, this was meant to be the serious pod. Uh, to be fair, I'll just give you both a point because you both have gone for basically the politician's answer is I don't really have an answer, so I would just change no, it depending no, on the situation. No, 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 that's not true. That is generally not true. <laughs> don't agree like, that our answers are conventional in the correct way. Yeah, you've that both given awesome. you've both given the correct answer and an answer that can never be pinpoint. Whereas I would stick my neck online and go that. Do you know what Sam Curran should bat three? All right, well, you know what Mark Wood should bat three. Let's do let's do this. Then right. Let's do <laughs> I tell you Jamie what, fucking Porter number Reece three. Reese Topley three. <laughs> Reese Topley three. Top. <laughs> I tell you what, though, if at some point we're chasing fifty against someone, they should send Reese Topley in and just see what happens. No, that gives me bad vibes because I did, well, I did this once in the fifteenth game and it, we were against playing against Howard Wood and we needed we got him out for like twenty. We're like, fuck you know, here we go, stick the bowlers in, go on, that's another go, and we got him out for like nineteen and we lost. Terrible. <laughs> oh, huge stuff. Um, anyway, Ed, that puts you on three and Charlie on two one as we finish there with both of you basically agreeing that England's number three in the T20 squad should be rotated some 
relationships form between Bearstow, Stokes, Morgan, and potentially Murray and Ali, depending on the situation, which to be fair is probably the right answer. Although I would just send Sam Curran in just based on the fact that he's from Surrey. Um, right. Yes. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 sorry, you say it's from Surrey, but like, you know, he's basically from South Africa, but you know. <laughs> yes, uh, famous Guildford product, Sam Curran. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm gonna he's end from he's else. from my ends. That Sam Curran recording has started. <laughs> so what you just missed there was Ed praise Jake Ball, um, and why he is should, the podcast. Why, 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 why he should be the death the death bowler England are so desperately craving for. Jake Ball. Very passionate as well. Very passionate. It was, very passionate. It was so almost in a sort of way weird way. It was kind of erotic, like the passion that you felt for Jake Ball. It was like there was deep feelings there for that. I mean, man. Just I Jake, Ball, Jake Ball is quite a good looking man, I think. Mm. Like he's kind of like he's, Stuart Broad, beta, like kind of Stuart Broad, you know, beta. Do you know what I mean? I mean, to be fair, that is also Jake Ball the cricketer. Yeah. He just he just is a kind of a, a for you, for yeah, you know, B Tech Stuart Broad, and I think he's quite a good-looking man. However, he's not a very good death bowler or a very good T Twenty cricketer at all. But uh, just hasn't been given the opportunity. Hasn't been uh, given the opportunity. Um, <laughs> I generally had the weirdest segue in my head, which was a team that Jake Ball won't be playing for was the West Indies. Jake Ball won't be playing for Australia anytime soon, and Australia's women are in action against New Zealand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, these from <laughs> you're, you're the worst. Just just say the question. The worst. <laughs> Look, Jason Hold is gone. Jason Hold is gone. Has he been replaced by Jay Ball? No, unfortunately, Jake <laughs> Ball's West Indian citizenship got rejected. Um, he was like, I'll take over. Um, so Jason Holder has, I think he's just resigned, to be fair, from the captaincy. He's been in it for a fair stint um, longer. I don't think, I don't think that, that's how, because what from what I understand of the situation, I, I realise I'm not quite an insider, but what I understand is that there have been agitations for him to move on from the role for a while to bring in a captain who has more of a um, tactical edge. I didn't think he did too badly in the summer against England. No, I, I don't think so. But I think this is very much that he, he was kind of, you, you know, when Darren Sammy was test match captain for the West Indies and That's he was it. very much the right lads. Come on. We haven't got many players. You guys aren't the stars of West Indies cricket. They're all playing franchise cricket, but get behind me. Let's work our best. Try our hardest. That feels like what Jason Holder did. He just did it better. And now they're actually thinking, well, actually we've got some cricketers suddenly we've got, you know, guys, you can actually hold a bat. We aren't playing Kyle Hope at three. There, there's some, they, they have a decent side suddenly. So I think they're thinking just let Jason Holder be one of the best all-rounders in the world, one of the best bowlers in the world and move forward. Yeah, 100%. Um, he's been replaced by Craig uh, Brathwaite, um, open batsman, uh, and also some lovely sunglasses, as we will, I'm sure we'll share that image. Charlie, who do you think should have been given the captaincy of the Windies then for the third question today? Well, for me, it's all about aspirations. And 
in Craig Brathwaite, I see a man who is simply too cool for the average book cricketer to aspire to be like. It's impossible. It's an unrealistic body standard for, for men. Um, and so, in, I, in what way? Man, in what way? Because he's too fucking cool. No one can be that guy. You can't. No one can have the, the balls of, of a man who walks out the yeah, back. Yeah, either, either you're good at cricket and a dick, or you're bad at cricket and you're nice. That's that's exactly. the way it works. He's a rare example of both. Somehow, mm. it doesn't fit. Doesn't bad... fit well with me. He, no, he's good. He's good at cricket. He's a nice bloke, and he looks good as well whilst playing cricket. That's dangerous. So something, something's not right there. And so I, I want someone who, in many ways, just can be a, a slightly more realistic goal for the average West Indian club cricketer to be. You know, I can be him. I can get to where he is. I know exactly uh, where I'm, you're going. And in the West Indies team, there is no one better placed for this role than John Campbell. Now, John Campbell is one of the most um, dull batsmen I have seen. He Every club has a John Campbell. Every club has a John Campbell who we all trigger at some point. He he gets in, he scores 20 of about 20 overs. At that point, you're like, mate, whenever the, whenever the team go up, whenever the bowlers go up, I don't care what it's for, I'm, I'm triggering you and you're off. John Campbell, for, um, for some context... Uh, he's a regular pick in the West Indies side, despite his test average being just 25 from 28 innings. Uh, in T20 cricket, John Campbell's strike rate is 80, despite being an opener. John Campbell is... Again, maximising that power play. Exactly. You know, John Campbell is the average cricketer. And mm. on that basis alone, John Campbell should be West Indies captain. Based on how he will resonate with club cricketers across the globe, or across the globe, um, it's true. The, one of my favourite yeah, John, John Campbell is sorry, John. One of my favourite thing about John Campbell is was when you watch him in the Test side, you think this guy's more of a T Twenty player, and then when you watch him in the T Twenty T Twenty games, you think this guy's probably more of a Red Bull player. <laughs> <laughs> he has no format. <laughs> He is a largely shapeless cricketer. Like he just, he just goes up his format. <laughs> Perhaps it will be. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm still advertising um, for a great format of cricket that I think should be taken up, and that's 80 by 80. Um, so you, you bat 80 days for 80 over 80 days. 80 days. <laughs> <Homeless> tests. <laughs> that's one hell of a knock. Right. <laughs> Joe Root, retire- Joe Root retiring on 16,031. Um, <laughs> good. Um, no, bat for 80 overs and then have a day, day in the evening, and then come back, bat another 80 overs the following day. Be, I think that would be a really good format. But, well, you I, know, I just, I just wanted, wanted to share that with you. Horrible take and talk more about John Campbell. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> he certainly can <laughs> bat for 80 days. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not going to lie, I prefer the idea of 80 day cricket to 80 over, <laughs> 80 over cricket. Like, I, I have a question for another podcast. If 80 day cricket were to become a thing, which bathroom would you back to bat through the 80 days? My money on John Campbell, personally. John Campbell, 20 not out. Nick, oh no. No. I tell you what, though, James Vince would, would certainly nick off to, to second slip on like the 68th day. Yeah. Well, it started well. <laughs> he started well. You'd be like, this is his format. He's going to be a legend. 68th yep. day, one ball, half tracker, outside off stump. He tries to cream it through the covers. Second slip. Cheers. Thanks, mate. 
That's the other thing about like, like, John Campbell. It's not just the fact that he's a bit rubbish. It's the fact that he, like, every single... Like, everyone has a player in the club who, for two or three months, score no runs. You're about to relegate him to the threes or the fours from get-back form. Then he can't be relegated if you're already in the Worst fours. attack in the league and make, like, an 80-ball 100 and be in the team and dine off that for the next year and do exactly the same thing again. So his average, yes, maybe 17, but the the high end of what he's producing is really high. It's just once a year. Once a year. So Charlie's gone with John Campbell for should have been given the West Indies captaincy based on the fact he resonates with club cricketers. Ed, who are you going for as who should have replaced Jason Holder? So my long time opinion on the matter uh, it's obviously there's been this this the big hoo ha over West Indies cricket for so long has been that all of their best players don't play test cricket they play domestic cricket which has more money for them in it and that's a perfectly reasonable thing for them to do I, I've never had a problem with that I've all and, and my opinion has always been that they should a few years ago have made um, Karan Porral the test match captain not because he's particularly good at the format but in the hope that he'd bring back those cricketers. Uh, just because they needed that talent. And so I thought Karen Pollard should be made test captain just, just to bring back uh, DJ Bravo, Scale, <laughs> um, those kind of cricketers who should really be playing for the side. However, you really are stuck in 20, like 2010, 2015, like that kind of era. Yeah, that's what they should have done back then. But now I actually think that the West Indies have a semblance of a decent side. Yeah, it's, have, it's certainly a team to watch. They have some decent enough players. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it's probably best to promote from within. Now, uh, I think one thing that is underrated in captains is the, I think the, the ability to be an athlete. And you get a lot of this talk about who were, you know, great multi-sport athletes. An athlete. And I think multi-sport athletes are great because they have such a great awareness of all sorts of sports. It's pretty clear that Joss Butler's been playing a few different things. Uh, I, you know, the, all of the, the great critics have done that. And so I think actually having the awareness of different sports and building up a great knowledge is really important. So I was thinking, well, you know, given there's not a lot of guys with great test match experience or someone I would consider with great, te- you know, captaincy acumen uh, in the West Indies side, I was thinking, well, let's give it to the best athlete and the guy who could play across sports and has that wide base knowledge. Uh, now, uh, as you guys know, I'm a fan of the NFL, and uh, there is one West Indian cricketer who has actually been approached to play in the NFL because of his size and athleticism. The six foot eight Rakeem Cornwall was a reportedly approached by an NFL team who they who were considering converting him to play uh, tackle on the offensive line because he genuinely has the exact ideal build for it. If Rakeem Cornwall had been born in Georgia, he would be the starting right tackle for the for the Philadelphia Eagles. He would have been. And mm-hmm. so that guy who can translate across all sports for me is exactly who you want leading the team, who will lead by example, also a very good cricketer, tactical mind, sporting mind. Got his first 50 as well in the, the latest test. Yeah, and Maybe also Lincoln Cornwall would absolutely be earning much more money if he played in the NFL. Well, he'd be earning like millions a year. So but he, all he wants to do is, is bowl sacrifice. spin and smash sixes. He is he's making the ultimate sacrifice of giving up potentially millions of dollars to play for his country. That is a that is a leader. So pretty simple for me. Rakeem Cornwall, make him captain. I watched a lot of Rakeem Cornwall in the Caribbean Premier League 
um, as well. And he was he was a lot of fun walking out to bat for St. Lucia. He was. Um, I don't want to so, get all... I, I realise this. I don't want to get all, like, indie about this, but I feel like I was ahead on the whole Rakeem Cornwall thing. You, know, you were, to be fair. You were, to be fair. Ed, I was about to give you the point, but now because you said no. you were ahead of the whole Rakeem Cornwall craze. I was. And that, this is the thing. I think I'm ahead of a lot... I. Not, I'm very bad at identifying. Look, people all I'm saying is, throughout university, I said Sam Curran could bat, and I was I was ripped to shreds. He could bat six for England in the Test side. I was ripped to shreds, and rightly so. Yeah, today he so. proved that. Today he proved in five years he'll be batting at six for England. Anyway, Rakeem Cornwall. I'm going to have to <laughs> go with Rakeem Cornwall, Ed. So that's one point for you. Brings you to four-one uh, as it goes. Sorry, Charlie. John Campbell is an aspiring man for club cricketers around the world, but unfortunately, um, Rakeem Cornwall's Rakeem Cornwall. You know, that's fair enough. That's very fair. Also, shout out to Bonner who got his first century as well. Um, it was a decent knock. Not much to say. That would be actual cricket chat. So it let's move analysis, on. Analysis, mate. Great stuff. Maybe it, all I'm saying is a decent <laughs> knock. He did a word. Maiden century. Look, if you want to go and find some insight, there's plenty of places you can do that. Um, right. Cricketing news. Ed, full one up. Let's start with you. What have you found across the week that's drawn your attention from the lovely bubble that is cricket? Well, look, I think uh, I wanted to go back to domestic cricket because I think that is where... Um, the real genius uh, is mm, not um, long to go. I'm going to do a prolonged intro here because I accidentally shut down the window where I had the news story. Right. Well, we can chat about. Did you watch any of the live streams? Slipped with beanies on. It was all very, very. It's coming. You know, county okay. cricket's around the corner. Leicestershire were, were eight down by two o'clock. Yes, so I'm ready for cricket season. I found, it, the best one was Warwickshire was rained off. Like first two days, I think they played like 15 overs. That's what it's about. That's what cricket in March is. Um, so my my article is um, we all love county cricketers who, and actually we were just talking about this, um, county cricketers who uh, have the potential to be great. And we love county cricketers who are all-rounders because they do loads of different things. And we just talk about whether Sam Curran was burly enough. Well, the man I'm about to introduce is burly enough. The man who has just got a three-year contract extension with Glamorgan, Dan Douthwaite, is a burly all-rounder ready to take uh, domestic cricket by storm. I just want to say again, I was ahead on the whole Dan Douthwaite thing when he's playing for Cardiff MCCU. Just want to just want to say that. I no. think he came to prominence when he hit a century against Glamorgan and then took like three wickets against them in a in a university match. I want to say in 2019. Uh, and yeah, he's just on a three-year extension. This isn't, you know, maybe the most notable cricketing news, but you both know how much I love Dan Douthwaite. I think he's an all-action, all-rounder. Uh, I think he's a genuine wicket-taker, and he's flashed the ability to bat at six or seven and be perfectly viable. Uh, he's only 24 years old. He hasn't quite got the production that he flashed in his um, Cardiff MCCU days yet. But he bowls quick. He's genuinely a very established batsman who can play that power game. He's an all-formats contributor. Dan Douthwaite Dan Dathway is a really exciting guy. So I'm just I'm just excited that he's got this three-year extension and he's going to go prove himself and he'll be in the England side within the within the year. Come on, man. He also opened the batting last year in the T20s. He did. That was not such a good... It wasn't, it wasn't a great idea. It no. didn't work. For, bless him, it didn't quite go the way you wanted. 
But no, it went very similar to me opening the batting. Um, interestingly, though, he um, from this BBC article I'm reading, he's pretty much likely going to be used a lot more because Graham Wagg um, has left. Um, I Personally, I would have gone for the more niche story out of the fact that Graham Wagg is going to be playing national county cricket for Shropshire. No. Yes. Always <laughs> read the detail. Charlie, the round is open for you. Well, I, I'm going with yet another all-rounder, making a signing uh, for the county side. Uh, and it's one we spoke about a couple of episodes ago, before it had been confirmed. But now it has. And I'm very excited to reveal to you that Essex has signed Jimmy Neesham as their overseas player for the T20 Blast um, for reasons that I personally do not understand at all. Uh, the Essex press release says that head coach Anthony McGrath says that he sat down with the rest of the coaching squad uh, in the last season and concluded that the overseas player they needed was an all-rounder um, and so have chosen Jimmy Neesham despite him being a right-handed medium pacer on which our entire bowling attack is identical um, and his batting doesn't really offer anything that the team don't already have I feel like they've just gone we need a seamer and a batsman. Let's try and yeah. find both in the same guy. It makes financial in, sense. It makes financial sense, but it also doesn't actually fix either of the problems. It's just like a little plaster over each problem, but it, it will come off very quickly, especially because, as we all know, Essex loves to open the batting with a New Zealand mm. overseas player who isn't actually an opener. Uh, and so I'm, I have no doubt he will open the batting with Varon Jopra for no apparent we should definitely go. We should definitely go and do a pod from Essex and watch Jimmy Neesham in action. Chelmsford pod would be up. Chelmsford pod would be unreal. Um, be great, what? yeah. Should I, I've just no, typed in Jimmy no, Neesham as well into Google just so I could maybe find some articles that are in of him. And what I'm really enjoying is the East London advertiser. They've gone with... Work out what kind of angle they've gone with this, keeping it local. Essex signed former Upminster all-rounder Jimmy Neesham. <laughs> just stressing. Like, just, he just sounds like, if you didn't know who Jimmy Neesham was, you'd be like, wow, they, someone from Upminster just playing, playing kind of Upminster-level cricket, and now he's playing for Essex. It's huge. It's true. He, just, he did play for Upminster, like, pre-fame. He did have a season... Over yeah, 2011 Essex season he played. They've also gone with that as the picture, which is kind of beautiful considering. Um, and then they do mention he went on to play for New Zealand um, <laughs> as well as the Mumbai Indians. <laughs> well, who cares about that? Um, I think that I mean, that, that, that's exclusive. Yeah. That's he's, also, he's got a fair bit of franchise. Is he signed on for the T20s as well? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. He, he's exclusively for the T20s for Essex. Yeah, Jimmy um, Neesham trundling in at Chelmsford, 70 miles an hour, in the slot every time. Um, Charlie, unfortunately, like the round was there for you to win, but you did reuse an answer, which is is kind of disappointing, not going to lie. It's different news. I mean, for, for a start, it wasn't actually my answer the first time. I think Ed answered Jimmy Neesham. So you can't... I'm not reusing it. Oh, now, this was, take this it was me, but also I want to say that we were the first podcast to announce the Jimmy Neesham signing, and that may have been a long time before Essex announced the signing, mm. but we were ahead yeah. of the game there. Yeah. That's but true. That's so I think, if, I think if anything, I should be being praised here, not, not being, uh, you know, rebuked. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm weak, so Charlie, you win that round, 4-2. Thank you. It goes, you. Um, that's how easy this game is. It's nice and easy. <laughs> easy. It's easy to play. 
Um, Ed, if you've gone with Graham Wagg playing uh, county level cricket, uh, sorry, not county level cricket. Um, counties. County, yeah, counties cricket. Oh, they've rebranded it to national counties now, haven't they? Yeah, national counties. You know, it's all about the rebrands. They'll probably be sponsored by Chris next year. Um, Unpopular's Charlie. Would you like to go first or second? Um, I'm two in the lead, Jack. Get yourself together. Ed, Ed, would you like to go first or second? I've won the fucking toss, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I was worried. Four questions. Ed, it's not. Ed, it's not on the bad. It's not on the bad. It doesn't mean anything. But they did, those questions mean nothing. Anyway, um, I would like to bat second, please. Bat second. So that means you... I don't know what that means, to be fair. Um, Charlie, let's start with you, then. Um, <laughs> gone to shit. Um, sorry, I'm just finding the unpopular. Don't worry, it's, it's all going to be cool in the edit, man. All going to be cool in the edit. I just add a bit of music and bridge it through. Maybe add a stab. Maybe just some, like... Just beer racking formal smashing sixes, taking wickets. Up into the terrace... From the rack attack, here on <laughs> Right, Charlie, yours is this. Um, 30 seconds to defend this statement. Joss Butler should be replaced in the England team by Craig Keysweater. Look, Craig Keysweater is genuinely an excellent cricketer, or was prior to his sad retirement. Um, Craig Keysweater was so good, he actually made Joss Butler leave Somerset because Somerset decided that he was a better player than just Butler. Um, and I think that is very telling, actually. Craig Hughes-Wetter has a lot of potential. In many ways, he was one of the... England were, for a very long time, looking for a kind of Gilchrist-esque uh, keeper who could open the batting. Uh, they tried a few options, like Matt Pryor and the King for Mustard. But honestly, Craig Hughes-Wetter was about as close as they got for quite a long time. Uh, and I do think he is sadly in the races. Uh, and genuinely, I think... That if he were to return, get his eye in it, I think he's got what it takes. I'd get him in the top three. I think he's quality. Ed, this is from direct from Charlie. Um, so to win, but to be fair, you're 40 up, so it's not that it matters, but we might as well keep going. Um, Ashley Joel has infinite charisma and should do interviews on shows such as The One Show and The Graham Norton Show to promote and encourage a new audience to join in with cricket. Well, for me, uh, Jack, uh, many people say, what is the greatest form of humour? Well, for me, the greatest form of humour is novelty mugs. And Ashley Giles has the best set of novelty mugs ever. In fact, the only funny thing anyone will ever tell you about Ashley Giles is the novelty mugs he had made. I have read the biographies of Matthew Hoggard, Andrew Flintoff, and many others of the 2005 uh, Ashes winning team. And they all say the funny thing about Ashley Giles is the novelty mugs. He was called the King of Spain rather than the King of Spin once in a very funny accident, and he has benefited hugely from this in the last 15 years. Made some novelty mugs, made some novelty T-shirts. Very funny man. They were talking about 100 Entertainment. We just need the man, Ashley Giles, standing in the middle, telling that anecdote to 30,000 people at Lords. The man's a comic genius. Get him on. Full game, of in the, game in the red chair. Um, Charlie, I'm going to give it to you. Um, but Ed, you win. So do you know what? So sort of- what is the point scoring system in this? Because <laughs> I, so I just what the fuck do you decide? I have no idea what because I just assumed that the the whole 
like cricket is just about teach about cricket is just about winning the toss these days. The first mm. four questions were just to win the toss. Then you threw out the toss completely, and now seemingly the last question is I don't I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yeah, it's that's all. This is kind of this. This is the end of the season. Because what I want you to do is we'll do a couple of specials between now and season two. What I want you to do is sit down and just work out what the format of this is. Because I yeah, it's, sort of, it's um, I think it's just one of those things that needs to be embedded in. You know, people didn't think that T Twenty cricket was going to work. You know, people didn't think the hundred is going to work. People didn't think barest of margins was going to work. But look at us, hey, <laughs> look at us. End of series. We are in, in the world. In a world of very boring cricketers in 2003, we are Nyandoshi. They may laugh at us, but we're standing here saying, look, we think we can make a specialist living out of exactly. cricket. So people will laugh, people will criticise. But what they don't do, Ed, is what you've done today, and that is win by the barest of margins. Smooth. Very smooth. Brilliant. Thank Always you. Groundbreaking stuff. Do you know what? I've waited all series for someone to win by one point. All series. It's finally happened. Ed 4 3. I think Charlie wins the series, though. I, I, I think I, this is the first time I've I, been in an episode, and yeah, it feels like. like it doesn't feel like a victory. Mm. Mm. No, it, it's weird. Sort of, I, 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 I do kind of win every time. You've not made it through to the Super League, uh, Super 12. The Super yeah. <laughs> 12. <laughs>